Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now? So make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Um, we are so glad that y'all have joined us today, tonight. Um, today's Thursday. I had to look that up. I woke up and um, <laughs> thought it was Friday and it was Thursday. But that's fine. Um, we have asked Ruben and Jenny Gomez to come and um, just help us through the what marriage looks like um, through COVID um, and how we can, um, I don't know, adjust to our new normal and be the best marriage we can be. How about that? Y'all want to tell, I'm going to pop out and y'all tell us a little bit about your, actually, I'm going to start with prayer. That's why I have a rev in front of my name. Dear gracious and loving God, we are so thankful um, for Jenny and Ruben and the knowledge and information that they're about to give us. Um, may it benefit many. May we lean into your grace and your love and know that our marriages are stronger when we work on them together. As we pray together in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you all the full screen. Yay. Okie dokes. <laughs> so a little bit about us. Um, I guess as a couple, since that's what we're talking about, yeah. we've been together for 20 years. 20 years. Um, and we've been married for, it'll be nine, 18. 18. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've been together for a really long time. And I think it's safe to say that we've never been through something like this. Um, we have two daughters, 13 and 11. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you that have young kids, I will just say, I've said it a million times that I do not know what we would do if we had littles right now. Like I have no idea. I mean, our kids are pretty darn self-sufficient and that's something I'm very grateful for every day. Very much so. Very independent. Yeah. So we're both therapists and, um, work with, you know, kids and families and, um, have done that for a very long time. And I'm also a consultant, um, for a large family law firm and get to, um, help support clients in that capacity as well. And so of course we're members at St. Andrew and what else? And in private practice. In private practice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Private practice therapist. Yep. Yep. So that's a little bit about us. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Kim, we had talked with Kim about, and, and we'd been hearing it too, about people really starting to struggle um, in marriage, um, struggle as individuals during this time, but also struggle in marriage and that, and wanted to talk through kind of how to, how to deal with this and how to process this so that as you're going through these uncharted waters and trying to navigate that, um, that your marriage stays healthy and that you, you know, don't duct tape your spouse in the guest room and do crazy things. Right. So you have to figure out how to work together through this time. And so that was kind of the point of today. Um, and one of the things that I've been talking a lot with colleagues and staff that I work with is the 
concept that I don't believe that any of us fully had any idea how long this was going to go on for. And that, um, I remember actually I was at church with Kim and we were doing a podcast, um, when the announcement came out that school was going to be canceled and I'm trying not canceled. We were doing online learning and we, I mean, I really thought it was going to be a couple weeks. Um, I think that initial time frame was like two weeks maybe. And so I think that we all planned for that. Like we can hunker down and suck it up and kind of get through this time. And it's almost an adventure. We can order all the board games and the puzzles and have fun. And it's going to just be so great. And then now we're in like week six or seven. I, I don't know anymore what week it is. Six, the beginning, end of six. And so now it's kind of like, this is way longer than we had expected. And did we really prepare for it? And so I've used the analogy of if I'm a, I used to run a lot. My knees are shot now, so I don't run as much. But if I was doing like a 10 mile or or less, I wouldn't really need to bring any nutrition, like any supplements or water or anything. I was fine. I could do a 10 mile run and come home. But when I was doing a longer run, like 15 or 20 miles, I would have to prepare differently. I would prepare differently for it. I would have to pace myself differently. Every five miles, I'd have to have one of my little gummy chews to keep my blood sugar okay and my energy up. And so the idea is we prepare for long-term stress different than we prepare for short-term stress. And I have this idea that I think all of us prepared for short-term stress, and then yet we find ourselves in a long-term situation. And my one of my hopes for tonight is that this promotes a recalibration for you and your marriage and your own self-care of like, okay, perhaps I could do some things differently now that this has become a much more long-term situation. So... So we were kind of talking about, you know, why, why is this so hard and to kind of normalize it? I've heard, um, a lot of people use the statement that it's okay to not be okay. And, and I think we have to remember that and that, you know, none of us have ever been through a situation like this, um, with this level of uncertainty and this level of, of, um, multi levels of our world being impacted. You know, some people have a ma massive financial strain and they've perhaps have lost a job or um, have had a major reduction in their income. Or so I've, I've known people that have had to move elderly family in with them, or um, they've maybe lost someone or, um, or they're in the midst of a really bad marriage before COVID hit. And now they're in a rough marriage quarantined with somebody that they don't, they're not compatible with right now. And they haven't been connected with in a long time. Um, with your kids all the time, you're trying to work and teach your kids or at least facilitate them doing some kind of e-learning. Um, and so it's a really normal thing um, to be, it's a very abnormal situation. And I think we're reacting normally to the abnormal situation that we find ourselves in. Um, so, I mean, the idea I think is that like, none of us are at a hundred percent. Example. Uh, Jenny's been working out of our daughter's bedroom this whole time, and this has been a major adjustment. That's why you see the blue teal walls in the background. But this is my home had, office. We've had to adjust, you know. Um, one of the things, like with this situation, is that it can produce anxiety, stress for uh, many of us based on whatever it is that we're dealing with. But uh, we're all feeling it in different ways. You know, some of us uh, are still working. Others have lost their jobs. You know, living conditions have changed. You know, the stress of the student, uh, the student at home now, um, everything else. And if it's a temporary stress or a temporary anxiety, those will typically dissipate after a while. But if, if this thing continues on and it's something that you're dealing with every day, 
your anxiety and, and your stress can kind of go on autopilot and you're kind of in an overwhelmed state constantly. And that can lead to a, a lot of issues, you know, longer term, you know, where you're just completely out of sorts. And uh, one of the important things, you know, that, that I wanted to talk about as far as this stuff before we get to the, the relationship aspect of things is you have to figure out some ways to self-soothe, self-regulate. Um, if, if it's the stress, you know, if you need to burn off energy, whether it be exercise or things of that nature, that's important. But the other part is going to be um, dealing with that anxiety. If you're having anxious thoughts, uh, things that just keep ruminating through your head, you know, one of the important things is to make sure that you're actually processing through that to understand uh why this is happening and is this something that is 100 percent uh real or are you creating you know uh catastrophic thoughts in your head are you um doing things that are feeding the process right and that's going to be an important part of this um long term you know if, if this thing continues i mean it, i think on friday we're going to actually have like a 25 percent uh, opening of stuff, you know, but uh, some are going to stay hunkered down. You're going to see a lot of people out. And for some, seeing all these people out in public might be a stressor. You know, it might actually raise your anxiety because you might be one of those that's like, um, you know, all these people are out now, they're going to be passing the germs, you know, and all these things are going on, right? And, and stressor, 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 you know. So one of the important parts is going to be, you know, figuring out ways to bring that stress or anxiety down. Um, to help you actually make it through this in a healthier place, right? So that it's not a long-term uh, issue for you. Yeah. And I think one of the things that that has been stressful for a lot of folks is um, the the time um, and the, the uh, there is no sense of time. I mean, how many, I, I don't know about y'all, but like there's days where I'm like, I don't remember what day of the week it is. I don't really know. It all just kind of runs together. We were talking earlier about how, time is blurred and the day goes by ridiculously fast. I look up, I'm like, how is it already four o'clock? How is it already, you know, because we just are, are trying to manage all that. And it's, it's, it's kind of like the twilight zone a little bit when you never leave your house. And I think one of the things that are starting to get stressed Ruben brought up the, you know, the limited opening that we're going to, our, our state is having on Friday. There's a lot, I've been noticing even just on social media, a lot of controversy. And I, I feel like in the beginning of this whole thing, everybody was united. Like everybody was like, as a country, we're going to deal with this. And then now it's, there's very polarizing sides. It's unfortunately becoming political. And it's what happens if you and your spouse are on different sides? of that argument, right? If one of you feels like they need to get out and feels like this has, you know, been overdone. And then the other one is more conservative in terms of the, the wanting to, you know, flat the curve and social distancing and all of those. And everybody is certainly entitled to their opinions, but what if that very real stress that none of us have ever even thought about before is in between your marriage and how stressful that would be. And so, you know, talking through, um, being able to normalize this. And, you know, part of being married for a long time is you kind of start to know your spouse, hopefully, and you learn like how they process things. And some of us like to process things externally and want to talk about it and we show it and we cry and we're all emotive and our emotions are just like leaking out of us all over the place. And then some people tend to be more internal and they don't want to talk about it and it's uncomfortable for them and they just kind of want to hunker down. And 
this is and and this is a situation where you have met you have potentially never seen your spouse with this much stress. And so the understanding that we are not operating at a hundred percent and our spouse is probably not operating at a hundred percent. Our kids are probably not operating at a hundred percent. And so that self-care part of it comes into play of how do you take care of yourself? How do you, how do you be a healthy person? Because if you're not healthy, then how in the world are you contributing to a healthy relationship? So we were thinking about, you know, some of the self-care things and, um, these are, None of these are profound, but I, I actually usually refer, uh, refer back to the, when I work with kids, I show them my hand, I know this camera thing, I show them my hand and we talk about all the parts of us that need to be taken care of every day, our body, our mind, our feelings, our spirit, and the kid part of us. And the kid part of us is just the part of us that needs to laugh and be silly and goofy and have fun. And those five parts of us need to be taken care of daily and need to be nurtured daily and if you don't, and if any one of those parts starts to be at a deficit, then you're going to get out of balance and be out of whack. And so um, self-care really, really is important during a time like this. Um, and self-care can be done together. You can hold each other accountable. You can support each other. Of, hey, I'm going to go for a run. Can you watch the kids? I'm going to jump on the bike for a little while, or I'm going to, I need some time. I think you can need to work on that as a couple so that you're, you're supporting each other's self-care. If one partner isn't able to do that, then the marriage will struggle. So, um, I think in terms of the self-care, like we said, body, mind, feeling spirit, and the kid part of you, make sure you're exercising, make sure thankfully, at least the weather's been beautiful the last several days, you know, get outside, take a walk, um, doing those kind of making sure you're sleeping. I, I know a lot of people are having wacky sleep habits right now because, just because, right? And and they're not as stimulated during the day. So I think we st we're staying up later, we're sleeping in. Um, and so our sleep habits are getting off. I've told the kids many times that I'm not going to allow them um, turn into gerbils. Like we're not going to become nocturnal. So we're going to go to bed at a reasonable time and we're going to get up at a reasonable time because we're not, at some point this will be over and we're not going to be nocturnal gerbils. We're not going to do that. So um, make sure you're going to bed at a reasonable time and then check your what are you putting in your body right now? Um, a lot of people are drinking daily. <laughs> um, there's a lot of that happening and there's a lot of overeating and not eating healthy food and um, being sensitive to that, that we're not emotionally eating or emotionally drinking and using those two things as a crutch. Um, I think it's really important to, to check yourself and talk about it as a couple. Like if you're going to do takeout margaritas, don't do that every night, you know, or if you do that, then be careful the next several, right? Just to have some good balance in that and, and work to, to work out as, as a couple in, in that endeavor. So anything more on that? No, I just, I just say, uh, combat restlessness. Um, you know, personally, I've had to add a lot of things to my list, uh, to-do list, uh, chores, um, activities around the house, um, just kind of a lot of home improvement stuff and just kind of catching up on things, but it's really helped uh, me kind of stay on a schedule um, and not feel like I'm trapped or, or, you know, just isolated or feeling completely restless. About two weeks into this thing, I started to get a high level of feeling of restlessness because we're actually a very active family and we're never home. I mean, we're, we're running around, we're doing stuff. I mean, we're, we're all over the place. And we're overscheduled. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, sitting here for the last uh, first two weeks of this thing, you know, it really started to, to 
weigh on me and stuff and started to have a lot of feelings of restlessness. So I had to be proactive, you know, and, and make decisive decisions, you know, to, um, put myself on a schedule to where I felt like I was actually doing something, being productive and, um, you know, doing things that actually were physical, you know, uh, from that standpoint. Uh, so that's something that, that is very important from my side. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. And then on the flip side, I've had, um, unpredicted. I thought it was kind of opposite of what I expected to happen. My work has been busier than probably ever. And I've had trouble, um, shutting off work. And that's been a really big challenge for me is being able to shut things off and have a better balance. And, 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 and sometimes I get anxious because I feel like there's so much to do. I need to go do it right now. And I get anxious if I don't. And then that, is not good either. Um, I've talked to some other, other clients and and friends and colleagues who have one partner who is still going into work somewhere. And the other one is home and doing 90% of the kids stuff during awake hours. That's a stressor. I mean, everybody's got their different things. And so when we're looking at, you know, okay, what do you do about it? Right. We, We know there's good reason for all of that. And there's good reason for all these feelings, but what do we do about it? So we're talking about like ways to Corona proof your marriage as cheesy as that is. And, uh, one of the things that I think is the most important is communication. And there's a lot to communicate about because again, this is unchartered territory and we've never done this before. And you can't expect your marriage to just autopilot through this time. And I think that's a big mistake. If people think that they can just cruise on through this and never talk about it or, discuss expectations or discuss hard feelings or discuss when things are not so great. And there's maybe an opportunity for growth. I think the communication part of it is really important. And again, if we go off the idea of perhaps none of us really planned on six plus weeks of doing this, we maybe didn't really communicate about expectations and role division at the beginning, right? Because it was two weeks and we were going to do this for two weeks and we'd be fine. And so again, my hope is that maybe you'll recalibrate after this, can I say something about the work environment? Then? Yeah, yeah. Um, one one of the things like uh, with this change is you know uh, two things I'm a huge proponent of of our awareness and and choice, right? Two two huge things, and one of the things is um, with this new work environment, you know, people working from home and and um, you get to really learn or understand, you know, what it is that your partner actually goes through in a day at their job, right? If they're in a high stress situation, you're hearing them on the phone, you know, they're having to deal with stress, 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 stress of the work all day. Well, if I keep that into my awareness, when they're done with work, you know, I'm probably going to approach them differently and my expectations of, you know, what they have to give or how much they can give um, after, you know, they get off of their, their, you know, work life, I guess you should say, um, you know, that's something that's very vital, right? Um, if they're on the phone all day constantly and they've been talking, 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 and then at the end of the day, you're sitting there right at their door, ready to talk and and want to get into some big conversations right away, you know, you're probably not going to get the, the warm reception that you're hoping for, right? Um, because they're going to need a break. They're going to need to decompress. They're going to need to be able to do a few things before they can actually re-engage, you know? So um, one of the important parts is just understand what's happening, be aware of it, but also just 
really think about um, how it how has this affected our relationship in the past, but also how is it affecting the relationship right now? And how can I engage with them to where we can actually have a better communication, you know, once it's me time or, or us time, I guess I should say. Right. So that's very important. To that point, um, one of the people I work with offered a really good piece of advice. The other day we were talking about tips for working from home and, and things that have, have helped people. And she had really great advice that's something I've taken to heart. I'm not going to say that I've been great at implementing it, but I think about implementing it for what that's worth. And every day I'm like, I think I'd do good at this. Um, I did it a couple of days ago and it made all the difference in the world, I will say, is using the time that you would normally be commuting in your car to go outside and take a walk. Um, if it's nice outside, go for a run, exercise. Um, she even said like, she'll go for a drive and just listen to her music. That would be time that like normally she would pray or just think or kind of prepare for the day or sing her fun songs or whatever it was that she did. But she, she kind of relied on that time. And that really woke me up to the fact that that was something that I kind of rely on too. When I drive, like that's kind of my time of downtime of processing time. And when I don't have that, how does that impact me? And, um, but so this, this friend of mine, this friend I work with was literally, she would, if, if it takes her 30 minutes to get to work in the morning for 30 minutes, she'd go outside and take a walk and listen to her music. If it was raining outside, she'd go for 30 minutes in a drive. And then at the end of the day, she was trying to do the same thing. So she could kind of decompress. Now, again, I think I've gone for a morning exercise twice since she taught me about this, but I think about it all the time and I think it would be a really good thing to do. So, um, but to Ruben's point, like work doesn't, our, our awareness of work and shutting that down is so skewed. Unless you always work from home, um, you've never done this before. And unless you're a homeschooling family by choice, bless you. And you would work from home by choice, double bless you. The rest of it, most of us don't do that. And we're not used to that. And so, um, this is a weird, a weird deal. So communicating about that, going back to our C's, right. Of being able to communicate about the roles, like who's going to deal with kiddos, who's going to deal with, um, who's gonna let the dog out. Who's going to go to the grocery store. Who's going to help with laundry. How are y'all going to do that? Are y'all going to split it up? Are y'all going to, somebody's going to do more than the other because the other one's doing more, whatever, like being able to talk through those things so that everybody feels like the expectations are clear. I also think sidebar, I know we're not talking about parenting tonight, but I think that's really important with your kids. And we had to talk about that with our kids when it first started, because I don't care how old your kids are. They don't really like it when you're on the phone. And I think if you have toddlers, you know that the minute you pick up the phone, they like go batty and, um, 13 and 11 year olds struggle with that a little bit too. Our kids hate it when I get on work calls. And unfortunately that's a very big part of my world. And so we've had to have a talk, like I'm physically here, but I'm not available. And, and if the doors closed or if I'm on a call short of vomit or blood or fire, please do not interrupt. Um, and having to discuss like what are the roles and expectations with your kids and also with your spouse, um, being able to communicate about your feelings. Um, the old fashioned, I feel statements are really important so that your spouse doesn't feel attacked or, um, that you're coming at them. You want to communicate with them about how you're feeling and what you need, um, to be, to be better. Um, but I think the communication part of it is crucial and it can't just be a one-time thing. It's gotta be an ongoing, um, be able to communicate of like, I'm not sleeping well, I'm feeling really anxious. 
I'm feeling kind of hopeless. I'm really worried. I'm scared about our finances. I'm scared about the future. I'm scared about my elderly parents. Whatever that is, to be able to talk about it, I think is Mm -hmm. uber important. Mm -hmm. Processing through it. Um, One thing that kind of came to mind, it's maybe switching topics a little bit, but still on the relationship aspect. But um, one thing that um, would be helpful maybe during this time is that um, one thing that we actually did that I feel has been very helpful and very beneficial for us is we went back and um, looked at our uh, five love languages uh, responses, right? And if you guys have never taken the five love languages quiz, you can just go to fivelovelanguages.com and there's a link up on top and you can click on it. And I think the quiz is like 10 minutes, like 10, maybe 15 minutes. Um, And it asks for your email and as soon as you're done, it'll email you the results of, uh, of your quiz. And so one thing that we did is uh, because we were feeling disconnected is we kind of looked at our uh, five love languages and really just focused on filling the number one and number two, right? Uh, not necessarily all five, but just, you know, let's pick the top two and let's make a very conscious effort in um, filling our partner's uh, bucket, you know, whenever it comes to how they receive love. And so one thing that I would suggest, you know, is if you haven't done it or maybe you have, and you just kind of fallen off of, um, you know, practicing it or keeping it, you know, in your awareness, you know, as I was talking about before, it would be something that if you did during this time, you know, you'd really be doing something that was focused and concentrated and, um, and your partner would be receiving the message, you know, that you're trying to send them. Yeah. I think that's a good one. And I think it's, it's also a really good point for discussion because you could say like, five mm, love languages said I'm this or that, but I don't know about that. Or I didn't really see that in you. That surprises me. Let's talk about that. Or what does that actually look like? So if, if your love languages says, you know, quality time, what, what is that? What, what, what is quality to you? Like, what does that mean? Cause it might be different between the spouses. So I think it's a really good like tool for communication and being able to talk through things. So I completely agree. Um, One of the other things that I think is really important, Ruben just said disconnected. Um, Even though we are together all the time, it's really easy to start functioning as islands. And everybody's just kind of like robots and going about their business within the home and not really connected. And I was feeling like that a couple of weeks ago. Like we're all here, but everybody's in their respective corners doing their stuff. And we come out every now and then and say hello. And then we go back to our corners and that wasn't working. Um, But again, like, nobody planned for this to take this long. And we didn't really think through that. And so staying connected um, with your family in general, but also as a couple, right? And tonight we're talking about marriage. So how are you staying connected? Are you, how are you making time for each other separate from your children, which is not easy. And if you have little ones, maybe near impossible, but when they're asleep, when they go to bed, um, if you have a little bit older and you can go take a walk together, you can go take a drive together, or you can um, play a game together, do puzzles together and, whatever that is, but staying connected as a couple, picking a favorite Netflix show to watch together. Um, Those kinds of things I think are really, really important. Intimacy is really important too. And that's not just physical intimacy. It's physical and emotional and all of the important things we do to stay connected in an intimate way with our partner that we don't do with anybody else um, or we shouldn't be doing with anybody else. um, Then those kinds of things, we need to make sure we're nurturing that as well too. Um, how are you being supportive of your spouse? Like, how are you being connected to your spouse? We're talking a lot about, oh gosh, about self-care, but how are you picking up on how your spouse is doing? So like Ruben said, awareness, 
if you're aware that your spouse seems more quiet or more withdrawn or they're not sleeping well and you notice that, how are you nurturing them? How are you, what are some things you could do to take care of them and show that you're prioritizing their well being too? And I think is another strong way to say, hey, I noticed you. Are you okay? You seem kind of off, or you seem like you're not sleeping well at night. You're real restless in bed, or um, you've been super quiet. Like, are you struggling? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? And not even just—it's good to ask, but then I think it's also really nice just to do things that you know your spouse appreciates and that they know that you know they're thinking about you. Um, and I think that that's all really, really important stuff too of of staying connected and staying um, in sync. You know. Um, you want to add anything to that? Um, no, the only thing I'll add to this as well um, is uh, I was reading a, an article online, uh, I think it was yesterday, and they were talking about the sweatpants effect, right? <laughs> and the fact that uh, we're all at home and we're just, you know, wearing sweatpants or, you know, gym shorts or T-shirts and all of that, you know, and if we're talking about relationship uh, and connectedness, right, or whatever it might be, there's also attractiveness, right? And if we're constantly just in sweats and holy T-shirts and, you know, flip-flops and things of that nature, um, you know, is there a... Uh, drop in physical attraction because, you know, maybe we're not as dressed up as we normally are, right? Um, Men are visual creatures, um, you know, kind of, we all know that, right? The cat calls and things of that nature. Um, You know, so one thing, you know, that I would, I would say is, um, you know, we feel better when we dress up, we uh, have our, you know, higher esteem, you know, whatever it might be, but also, you know, it's going to be something that's important if you, if you're looking for that romantic connection, you know, to do something outside of maybe sweatpants. Well, and I will tag team on that is that just to elaborate, I guess, is that people are talking about that they haven't bathed in a couple days or they haven't shaved their legs in a couple days. And not only is that going to impede your physical connection with your spouse, potentially, um, unless you're into that kind of thing, it, it's gonna, um, it's not going to make you feel your best, right? It's just like when you go to work, like dress for success, you know, the days that you are loving your outfit and your hair's working that day and your makeup's on point and like you, you walk higher, you walk with your head high, you walk with a pep in your step and that positivity that translates to at home in your marriage. And if you're feeling good about yourself and you're dressing for success and presenting yourself in a way that's confident versus like, you know, a, de- a depressed, um, sorry, weirdness, um, you know, just kind of moping around the house and your slippers and dirty hair and top knot and and old sweatshirt from college, right? Like you're just kind of giving a vibe. Um, so, okay. That's really annoying. Sorry. Um, that lamp's been working for six weeks now. So professionals. Yes. uh... Yeah. Um, so anyways, make sure that you are presenting your, that you are dressing for success. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Then I think the last one is, I was thinking of the three C's, right? So the three C's to Corona-proof your marriage, there's probably lots more, but communication, connection, and collaboration. Okay. So I think that just like the very sad thing to me, that this issue has now started dividing our country instead of us as a unified country wanting to attack the situation together in a unified way. Unfortunately, now it's creating some division. I think a stressful situation can either make you 
or break you as a, as a couple. And you can go through something tragic and terrible and be incredibly resilient and stronger for it. Or you can go through something terrible and tragic and you don't make it and your marriage doesn't survive. And I think it's very important to be able to lean into each other and pull together and see this as this is a crazy historical event that we are going to tackle as a family together and that we are, you know, leading our ship of our family through this uncharted territory together and united. And, and we're going to see this as a, as a, as a challenge that, that we're going to conquer and being collaborative in that, I think pulls us together more than, and fights that urge to be divisive. And, um, you know, my thing is resiliency. I'm a huge believer in resiliency. It's, it's why I, can be a counselor for all these years and not be depressed. Um, because I believe that innately that when people go through bad times, if they are intentional about going through it in a healthy way, and they have certain protective factors in place to help, help them go through it, they can be more resilient and stronger for it. And I truly believe that. And I truly believe that this is an opportunity going through this time. There's an opportunity for a lot of growth and a lot of learning and a lot of doing things differently. Like we were saying, we are ridiculously overscheduled in our normal life. Ridiculous. And and I think I've learned, I've, I've come to appreciate how ridiculous it is now that we don't have it. Mm. Um, and I hope that our life doesn't go back to exactly how it was. I'm not going to say it's not. Y'all can check me in a year from now and tell me about what I just said and remind me of that. Um, but I hope it's not. Like, I hope that this is a chance for our, like, for us to think about how do we do things differently and use this as an opportunity for growth, but to do it together. So collaborate on those things of like, what have we learned? Um, what are the, what are the Corona silver linings every day and finding things that have, you know, actually there's benefit. There's, there's been some good that has come of this. Right. And for me, one of those things is kind of a reality check of what do we really need in our life? And are all the, all these things really important and every day trying to be grateful. Um, I think that's a good thing to even do with your family. I think it's a good thing to do as a couple of like, What's your Corona silver lining today? What is something that that was a good thing? And to enjoy that and celebrate those things together as a couple versus on your own. So what else? uh, Probably question time. Yeah. Yeah, Kim, do we have questions that we need to go through? Hello. Um, so, um, as y'all, there you go. Thanks, Ruben. Um, I had some people email me, um, and you talked about it a little bit with um, communication, but the struggle of two parents working from home, um, online school. Um, how do you communicate about that through frustration? Right. Because you're frustrated because you haven't had time to plan for the communication. Does that make sense? Like you're really in a grouchy mood, but you got to. Yep. Okay. Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, And I think that we have to kind of go back to the old rules about fair fighting and how to communicate in those difficult times. Um, I'm just going to throw out some things and tell me what you, I mean, I I would say that um, you need to take some deep breaths and getting into a big argument when you're, when you're hot is not going to go well, because guess what? You can't go anywhere to release steam. So, so I would (laughs) want to do that. And I think it's better to go cool off 
check yourself, call your best friend, do what you need to do. Um, I would also say um, not to um, get into discussions after you've been drinking. I, again, I'm just going to realize it. A lot of people are having a glass or two or three of wine every night or right. other things. That is not the time to have a heavy discussion. Do not do it. Like absolutely do not have a discussion after you've been drinking. It is likely to not end well. And it's certainly not going to be as productive as if you were sober. Um, but I think you have to be able to look at your spouse and say like, love you, but I'm really frustrated right now. We're going to need to come back to this. I'm going to take a back. I think that's good. It's okay to pause. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing like uh, to keep in mind is that I believe statistically it's like 93% of a way a conversation starts is the way it's going to end. Right. So um, what am I trying to accomplish? You know, what, what are we trying to do here? And is the way I'm about to communicate this actually going to achieve that right without creating damage. Right. right? But if you keep in mind that 93% of the way, conversation starts is how it's going to end if you keep that awareness in mind you can filter for the moment you know and, and no, that's a good point and that i'm trying to i'm trying to do this through the frustration but i need to i need to uh uh put that frustration time out for just the moment yeah. i would i would add one more thing that i think is important is to be solution oriented so if you're going to go to your spouse and just gripe at them about all the things that they're not doing or they're screwing up on, right? that's to Ruben's point, like it's going to just end negative and it's going to end with people defensive and mad versus saying, hey, honey, you know, this has been a bit of a stressor and I'm wondering if we could, I was thinking about it. What if we did blah, 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 blah. What are your thoughts on that? And actually be solution oriented. Um, I had a job several years ago and we would have every weekly staff meeting, we'd have to come up with three process improvements of what as a staff we could do better. What could we improve upon? Even when there wasn't a problem, like create something to be better. And so to see like, okay, how can we have process improvements in our marriage and the way we're doing things right now to be solution oriented when you're confronting a difficult thing? Well, it's kind of like at the beginning of COVID, right? I had a schedule for my family of when they're going to do this and when they're going to do that and daily chores. And it has ebbed and flowed like that. We were only going to do schoolwork at the dining room table and right. Mm -mm. Like, you know, we got to adjust. We got to adjust. Okay. Here's some more coming in. I won't leave it up the whole time because we can't see your beautiful face, but how would you tell your spouse that you need space alone without hurting their feelings. And then also, how would you tell your spouse that you need more love without sounding needy? Okay. So do you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, I, I think I think one of the first things is having a conversation, right, of when I experience this or when I'm going through something like this, the way that I help um, de-stress or bring myself down or balance, or for some people, like let's say, for example, if you're an introvert um, and you've been at work all day and you get home and they want to, you know, talk and, and do all this stuff right off the bat, your battery's drained. You know, so sometimes that alone time is actually the thing that actually recharges your battery so that you can re-engage. Right. So um, whether it be, you know, I'm going to take this time to uh, separate for the moment just so that I can get in a better headspace or this is my recharge time. 
it's important that your partner understands why you need that, right? It's not that I'm trying to get away from you, right? It's not that I don't love you. It's not any of that. It's this is my kind of just balancing out, calming down, um, you know, charging back up, de-stressing, you know, whatever it might be, um, you know, helping them understand why you need that, right? And why it's important to you and, and why it's actually a need. Right. And that, and that if you do that, you're going to be more able to be emotionally present mm-hmm. when you reconnect, give me 15 minutes of quiet time of whatever I need to do. And then I'm going to be way better to reconnect than if I'm just, I don't, I don't have that time. And then I think on the flip side, how do you tell your spouse that you need more without coming across as needy? I think you have to, um, choose your words. And I think you have to find time to say it. And I think you have to say how, what you feel like you need. Um, I would love a little bit more touch time. I'd love a little bit more connection time. Can we go take a walk together every night? So more than saying like, I need this insinuating you're not doing it. Maybe just again, suggesting what would be something to do about it. Can we, maybe we could go for a walk every night or maybe we could, you know, watch a show together on the, Hey, do you want to start that new show together? And let's just watch that every night together. And so maybe instead of saying, I need this, cause that sometimes that triggers people mm-hmm. that they're def, like deficient in an area, maybe to suggest something actually to do about it. But if your partner, if you feel that your partner thinks they're being rejected, right. Or, or that they're not important to you or something of that nature, you need to address that. Right. Cause that could be an underlying issue of, why when you come back and you want to have that uh, personal time that they're maybe holding off a little bit, right? It's because they might feel, you know, that, that they're being rejected and stuff. So you want to make sure that they understand why you need that personal time. All right. Here's another one. It's a long one. It's going to take the whole screen. Boom. I'm really struggling in the aspect of balancing full-time work, homeschooling four kids, having a toddler that doesn't understand when I'm home, I'm not really home. My husband still works full-time and I tend to get irritated because at the end of the day, I'm drained and I'm zero want for bonding or time with him. I tend to bottle things up and it's all coming out as anger. Um, I feel like I'm super focused on the full four kids, school and work, but I can't seem to come back to reality or um, I mean, here it is. Um, bring myself back to normal. I really have no idea where to start. And it seems like I can't find routine in all of this. Okay, so first of all, I'm just going to say, I don't know how you're doing this with four kids and, and little ones. Like I truly, I, that's, I mean, that's insane. Like, I, I don't know how you're doing this. And I have a feeling I know how hard you're working and trying to do that. Like I said, I can't imagine we have two very self-sufficient adolescents who really don't need a whole lot of intervention from us. Right. I mean, we like to spend time with them and they want to talk to us and so every now and then we'll get a random math question, but I don't know how you're doing it. So number one, like throw yourself some grace that you are dealing with a ridiculous amount of stress. And I'm sure that you are doing a way better job at it than you're giving yourself credit for and give yourself some grace that you're doing the best you can. Um, and absolutely I'm, I'm just impressed. Um, I think to me, 
Um, I can identify, I don't know, identify with having four kids. We way win the t-shirt on that. I can identify <laughs> with um, working really, really demanding job and feeling like I need to be still present for my family and feeling there have been times where I feel like I, 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 I'm like tapped out. Like I literally, despite desire to want to be better, I don't feel like I have it. And so I think that you have to, with little ones, especially, I think you have to have, try to find ways to balance working kids by doing that bite-sized pieces of your day and managing that and being able to communicate with your spouse about your needs um, and finding creative ways to do that with work um, is, is challenging. But I think that at the end of the day, you have to still find a way to recharge your batteries. Like it's that old analogy of the pitcher of water with a bunch of little cups. And if you pour all the water into all the little cups and you never refill the pitcher, it's empty. And so then you're not able to do to help anybody or, or share anything. So you've got to find a way to recharge your batteries. If it's getting up 15 minutes early and going for a walk or if it's 15 minutes earlier and helping to pre-plan your meals and make the kids lunches and pet pack it all in the fridge so it's ready to go or um, doing some creative things like that, that is self-care and also things that could make your day smoother on the front end. Um, I think you have to just be intentional about that. But I also think that you really have to give yourself some grace. And I think you have to communicate to your husband that you're not doing well. And I think it's, I think it's important to say like, I am struggling and I am, I am hanging on by a thread right now and I'm not doing well and I need help and I need, I need your patience with me right now because I know I'm not giving enough and to you as I should. Do y'all agree that the emotions right now are so extreme? Like, I don't feel like I'm in the middle very much. I'm either having a really great day or like not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've balanced out. I think now that my schedule, I've created my schedule with work and then, you know, keeping busy and getting outside and being active and stuff. But yeah, I think probably two weeks into it, it was probably one day I was fine. The next day I was in the pits you know, and stuff. But I, I want to go back to her question, right? Because she said, I get angry, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I want her to understand is that anger is a secondary emotion and it's based off of a primary emotion. So is whatever the core issues, you know, are the things that need to be addressed, right? So if it's resentment, right? Because, you know, I don't know her situation, but if she's at home, four kids, school, work, this, that, all the stuff, and she's not getting as much help as she thinks she needs, that's going to build resentment, which will build anger, right? Um, the frustration, you know, um, is she fatigued, right? I mean, what are all the issues that I think are going mom, on? Mom guilt. Like, I think working moms have working mama guilt, like, all the time, man, talk about how bad it is now. She brought up a good point, And that's something that we've dealt with is that I'm here, but I'm not really here. Like, I'm, and it almost feels like I'm shutting them out and that's hurtful to them. But that mama guilt, working mom guilt is something that is a really powerful thing. And so, um, it is hard. And those, that, I think that deep seated feeling of that, that first primary emotion and then the anger comes out as well. And so I would encourage you too, of when that anger happens, to calm, you know, to take that pause and like Kim, you know, you, you said like the emotions, I feel like if, if, if our normal, where am I, if our normal oh. range is like this kind of emotion right now, we're way over and we're very much short, like we're very, very short fused. We're very mm -hmm. active. We're very like prickly and you know, blowfish kind of a reaction, um, more so than normal. Um, we're very quick to be weepy. I cry. Like I get weepy about silliest things right now um I can get yeah all the time 
Um, and like, it, I just, I, my emotions are just right there and I can get real frustrated. I can get, um, so yeah, I think we're more highly reactive and when we're angry, you got to deal with what those underlying issues are. Just like Ruben said, um, she bottles things up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so those underlying issues that are spurring that anger, she's not dealing with those or communicating those and trying to get those understood so that the need that she's, whatever the need is getting met, um, she needs to communicate that to get whatever that is, right? So that this doesn't keep boiling up her and, and, you know, kind of doing the thing where it just explodes. So. Yeah. Well, um, I had one other, um, it's kind of the opposite. So the working mom guilt is something that is brought up, but it's also resentment towards the husband because he gets to leave. Um, I don't, she didn't say that, but I had that emailed to me. I'm having a really hard time because my husband's life is normal. And this is from a stay at home mom, right? But she has three kids. And um, so I'm having a hard time because my life is completely abnormal. His life feels very normal. And how do we, we're having a hard time balancing that. I think that goes to the communication about expectations and roles and being able to say, I need some space. Like I'm not used to having three kids at home with me all day long and I can't get the stuff done that I need to get done. And they're stressed and I'm stressed. And when you get home, assuming that the husband is still going out of the house to work, he is, um, you get to have alone time all day. And even though work is stressful and not to minimize that, but I'm having a tough time. Like I need 30 minutes when you get home. I just need some space. I need some time. Where can, where can we budget that in into our world? Um, and again, offer a suggestion of I'm kind of having a tough time right now. The days are really long. Is there somewhere in our time frame in the early evening after you get home that I can just go recharge my batteries? I think I'll be a better wife and a better mom if I do that and offer that as a suggestion. I remember when I was working part-time when we had littles and Dan would get home from work and I would be sitting on the couch with my purse on my shoulder. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, not sure, but I'll be back in 30 minutes. Like, you know, and I just go for a little drive and just boom, get out for a little bit. I'm personally doing that. Um, most days, um, when I'm ending my work day, I go for, I try to, exercise. So that's an end point for me. Right. And I started taking 30 minute walks. Now I'm taking like an hour. One day (laughs) I was out for like an hour and a half. Um, but it's just that time to, it's my recharge, which is funny, Ruben, when you were talking about it earlier, I think that the norms, at least personally in my marriage right now, my husband's an introvert. I'm an extrovert, but I'm spending most of my day on the computer, not connecting how it's comfortable for me to connect, right? Where Dan usually works from home, like, and he's, he's like all talkative and I'm not used to that aspect of his personality because he's not having to engage with others, right? And that can drain him. So, I'll, you know, but it was that communication of, okay, if I've been in front of the computer for four hours, I'm going to need, that's, that's the walk right? That walk has helped me kind of, you know, but it was this opposite personality where usually I'm jibber jabber and talking all the time and I'm I'm just done, you know? Mm -hmm. 
you know, going back to the the last question, you know, I had a thought on that was, you know, um, how is she viewing him going to work, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. in the office to go to work. I mean, leaving the house to go to the office, right? Um, is she viewing it as he's choosing to leave us here, right? And mm-hmm. leave me here to deal mm-hmm. with, right? If, and if, if that's the thought, right, well, then that's the driving force. And if that's the driving force, then that needs to be discussed, you know, that when you walk out in the morning, you know, to go to work, you know, I feel like you're leaving me here um, to deal with this stuff, you know, and you just get to go off and, and have a normal existence, right? Right. Um, you know, if he doesn't have a choice, right, but then she's still viewing it that way, you know, well, you know, it, it's, uh, then maybe it's more uh, personal, like, I hate this situation and I wish I was able to leave and do that kind of stuff, right? But at, at that point, you're you're starting to create your own issues, right? You know, so if he hasn't, mm-hmm. And he's leaving okay it could feel resentment stuff because he's leaving us here and he's doing it because he wants to right but if, if he doesn't have a choice and he's going in and has to do these things right well then she she has to look at you know where's the issue right and is it something that i'm creating on my own you know is this how legitimate is this right mm-hmm. and how realistic is this that he's doing this on purpose you know because if he doesn't have a choice that choice right? yeah but, you know, how much is she doing to herself and then how much of it is actually yeah, reality. reality? Reality. No, that's good. We have about five more minutes. I want to touch upon, I've also had a lot of couples reach out to me um, that just really aren't doing well. Um, I think most of the questions that I've asked today, have they're pretty normal in the you know, um, but actually started not doing well and now really, really not doing well. Um, are there resources that y'all can share, um, with, um, I mean, obviously y'all are counselors, but are counselors still seeing people? How is that working? Um, I want to give some resources for people. I think every day it's okay to not be okay, but there, there is a point, right. Where, you outside help, professional help is important. I mean, I think obviously we're going to always be proponents of that. Um, <laughs> in that. Um, and I, I would suggest that you don't wait till it's really, really bad. I think one of the things that happens with marriage counseling is people don't go, they, they wait till it's too late. Like there, there's so much pain and so much damage that it's sometimes very, very, very challenging to even begin to think to put the pieces together. So my number one thing would be, do not wait till it's too late. Like there is no harm in saying, you know, maybe we just need to like have a checkup and maybe somebody, you know, going through, nobody's ever been through a quarantine before. So this would be a really good time to try out counseling. And guess what? You can do it from the comfort of your own home. And therapists are still working and they are doing, um, you have some choices. So mental health is considered an essential service and some clinicians are still going into the office with appropriate social distancing and cleaning. Um, others are doing both um, and also doing tele- teletherapy. And so there's certain HIPAA compliant um, platforms and, and websites and programs that, that therapists are utilizing to, to offer that. And we are more than happy to help connect the dots and, and help with referrals um, of who's doing that. But um I always want people to ask for help. And and we're talking a lot, Kim, to your point about kind of the range of how, what you would see happen in an average marriage, like maybe not perfect, but certainly far from being broken and in that range of normal things. But 
I also don't want to minimize that if you're in a really bad situation, like I want you to ask for help. I want you to know that there is support and resources out there. And that even though this is a very isolating time that you are not alone and you don't have to be alone and to reach out either to a professional, to the church, to your doctor, you know, your friends, your family, whatever you can do. But I don't want to minimize. I know we're, we're laughing about some things and and talking about the stressors, but I also don't want to minimize to your point. There are some people who are in a really, really bad place. Mm -hmm. And so there are counselors available, plenty of them that would be happy to work with you and, and offer that service. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that if there's any abuse going on and you're fearful and uh, child abuse and things of that nature, there's a place in Plano called Hope's Door, and you can call them, and they literally will tell you, leave the house, don't bring anything with you, we have everything you need, just get out, right, and they'll, they'll get you somewhere where you can be safe and away from any abusive situation, you know, uh, abuse sadly is on the rise, you know, due to the situation, but if you're in an abusive situation, uh, just call Hope's Door, and um, they'll, they'll guide you and, and protect you, you know, and get you through this process. I just posted in the link, um, the link to our counseling center. So hopefully, um, that if y'all can give referrals or, um, you know, it can help. And I hope store is a phenomenal resource. Well, and I would say too, to that point, as short fused as everybody is, um, be aware of, of how you're communicating and what you're putting out there um, in terms of your anger and how you're, even though it may not be what would people would consider family violence, you may be communicating in an abusive way with your spouse, with your children. Um, so check yourself, you know, and do kind of a little moral inventory of has this been, has this impacted my mental health in such a way that I am behaving in a very unhealthy, potentially abusive type of a way. And there's always, there's always a better, a better way. And I always try to do the next best thing, right? I can't go back and change what I did five minutes ago and beating myself up about it. Not helpful. Swimming in that shame is only going to perpetuate that. So I got to do the next best thing. And so being able to own your stuff and work at being healthier and better, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, to go back to one thing you said, like um, when, you know, when does somebody go look for help, you know, in a relationship when they're in distress, you know, uh, statistically the average couple waits six years of uh, marital distress before they even go to help. You know, so wow. you see a marriage counselor and you've had six years of just downward spiral, you know, and then the question we always get is, well, how long is this going to take? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't have that long, magic wand. Yeah, like how, <laughs> how, how long do you think it's going to take to unpack six years of, of damage, you know? So the sooner you actually go in, the better. Because right. you're not building things and, and compounding things on top of things and, and just making things worse and worse and worse and worse. The sooner you go, the easier it will be to clear these things out and you can actually move on and, and work in a healthy, productive way. If you think about it, too, from terms of counseling, if you are on the highway and you take the wrong exit and about a half a mile down, you realize that you're on the wrong road and you're heading down into a really bad area, you turn right back around. 
right? You don't keep going down that bad road. You turn around and you get back to the highway of the direction you're supposed to go. And so whether it's your own personal mental health or it's the, your couplehood and your all's relationship, or you have concerns about your child's mental health, the sooner you turn around, the sooner you can get back to the right road. If you keep driving down the unhealthy path, it's going to be that much longer to get back. So I think my, my analogy would be the minute you feel like mm, we are on the wrong path here, <laughs> ask for help and get back onto the right path. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you all so much. It's been nice to do a, um, you did call me out though, Ruben. I, I do have professional clothes on the top and <laughs> jump shorts on, on the bottom. So tomorrow I might actually get fully dressed. Oh, wow. Don't, uh-huh. yeah, we're big fans of like, <laughs> yeah. Bottom. yeah, but I was thinking, but I have bathed. I mean, there is that and I did curl my hair. Right. So it's a balance. Yes. Um, I thank y'all so much. We'll probably get back together again soon. Um, and just for the online, um, this video will be up. So if people had crazy kid night or just couldn't, you know, they can go watch it later. We're also going to download it and make it a podcast for our Lyft series. So there's that. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. It was good to see you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate all that you do to help Lyft connect with others. Make sure and go like our Facebook page where we give information about our guests, upload our podcast each week. And I just want to say, remember, if you need anything or any of these podcasts, bring deeper questions. You can always reach out to me at St. Andrew. Look forward to connecting with you on our next episode.